All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. Johnny, how you doing? Solid. How you doing? Man, you kicked everyone's ass in picks this week. What'd you get, like 13? 13, Fuck, yeah, dude. dominant performance. I was feeling good with my nine. I, f- I felt like I was, like, keeping up my pace. I told you, it was a big dog week. A big, a big underdog week this week. And they all came through. Yeah. I, well, you know, uh, I think a lot of the favorites let us down. If that's the way you choose to look at it. As did the refs. <laughs> Oh, the rest. But we'll we'll have plenty of time to get into that. And Who we'll... doesn't love a good talk about the rest? <laughs> and we'll just get right into our number 44s. Uh, I'll go first. My number 44 this week is Brooksy, Brooks Orpic. Hold up. Yep. His name is, you said Richard. Yep. Before. Richard Brooks Orpic. So if he didn't call himself Brooks, it would be Dick Orpic. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> now we know why he calls himself Brooks. <laughs> okay. He was born September 26th in 1980 in San Francisco, California. Um, and that was actually just a few months after the Miracle on Ice. And he was actually named after the American Olympic coach Herb Brooks. He was a Boston College product. He won an NCAA championship and two Hockey East playoff championships with the Eagles. Was drafted 18th overall in 2000 in the NHL entry draft by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Played a couple of years in Wilkes-Barre and then became an NHL regular in 0304. Uh, he won the cup with the Penguins, of course, in 09, becoming the first Californian native to win the cup. And in 2014, as a free agent, uh, signed a five-year, $27.5 million contract as a 34-year-old at the time. Uh, with Washington, becoming the rings in the room guy. And in the 2018 playoffs with the Caps, he scored the game-winning goal of Game 2 in the Stanley Cup Finals against Las Vegas. And it was actually his first goal since, uh, what was it, February 20th of 2016. So quite a quite a span of not scoring. But it, that's not the type of uh, player he was. Of course, the... Washington Capitals would go on to win uh, the Stanley Cup in five games. You know, I always remember Brooksy as a hard-hitting player, a very physical, uh, dirty, hard-working kind of guy, uh, but wouldn't, like, fight. You know, like, super aggressive, but not... Uh, it, he kept it between the whistles kind of guy. Uh, Well-respected by everybody uh, on both teams, um, both the Washington Capitals and the Penguins, and and just just a great guy uh, all around. He was the Pittsburgh Penguins Defensive Player of the Year in 2010, member of the 2000 World Junior Team, the 2006 World Championship Team, won silver at the Olympics in 2010, and placed fourth in the 2014 Olympics. In 1,035 games played, he had 18 goals, 176 assists, 194 points, uh, was a plus 79 with 972 penalty minutes, 
as the elder statesman in Washington, I thought this was kind of cool. Uh, he was affectionately named Batya or Dad uh, by the Russian guys on the team. So that's pretty cool. My number 44, Brooks Overpick. Okay, thank you, Ernesto. My number 44 for the week is Hammer and Hank. Hank Lewis Aaron, born February 5th, 1934, nicknamed the Hammer, or as I said, Hammer and Hank. He played 21 seasons uh, for the Milwaukee slash Atlanta Braves and two seasons for the Milwaukee Brewers. He played from 1954 through 1976. Uh, Hank Aaron held the MLB record for career home runs for 33 years and, and still holds several offensive records in Major League Baseball. He hit 24 or more home runs in every season from 1955 to 1973. His last MLB appearance came on October 3rd of 1976. For the Brewers, he has a career batting average of 305 with 3,771 hits, a total of 755 home runs, which was the home run record until Barry Bonds broke it in recent, uh, recent years. Uh, his RBI total is 2,297. He was a 25-time All-Star from 1925 times from 55 to 75. So that confuses me a little bit because that is 21 seasons. So were there multiple All-Star games played? I think that in the season, I'm starting to think that there wa- there was. Okay. Well, still, because that doesn't make 21 sense. straight seasons is crazy. Right. Uh, he won one World Series in 1957. He was the NL MVP, surprisingly, only one time in 1957. Three-time Gold Glove Award winner, uh, two-time NL batting le- batting champ, four-time home run leader, four-time RBI leader. He's number 44, obviously, is retired with the Braves and with the Brewers as well. He was voted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in 1982 on the first ballot with 97.83% of the vote. And his MLB records held include his RBI total, 2297. He holds the MLB record for a career total bases, 6,856. And he holds the record for career extra base hits at 1,477. Uh, Hammer and Hank, my number 44. So I looked it up. From 1959 to 1962, the American and National League played two all-star games uh-huh. each year. And that was a way to increase the pension funding by perpetuating the playing of a second game. Excellent. Interesting. Okay, a little baseball history for us. Didn't know we were going there today. All right, let's pivot over to a little bit of college football. And they have the Heisman finalists uh, came out. John, um, the finalists are Joe Burrow, quarterback for LSU. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow, those are the finalists. <laughs> Justin Fields, quarterback for Ohio State. Boo. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for Oklahoma. Eh. Chase Young, defensive end for Ohio State. Pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. Also, um, is this the first time that a college has had a Heisman finalist, finalist on both sides of the ball? No, oh, from the same team, you mean? Yeah. Um, I don't, no, I'm pretty sure not. No, I'm pretty sure that has been the case before. I'm pretty sure like Alabama's had multiple guys, um, you know, running back and a quarterback. But um, yeah, Chase Young is defensive. no, but on opposite sides of the balls, an offensive player and a defensive player. I don't know. I think I saw that somewhere. Oh, possibly. I'm not quite sure. But I think um, everyone knows what the verdict's going to be when it comes to Saturday. 
Yeah, Joe Burrow's just going to run away with it. Yeah, he's so fucking good. Did you watch any of that game on Saturday? Single season completion percentage at 77.9%. And the way he just throws the ball, you can just tell he's going to be amazing. And it's such poise. It's like this guy just came out of nowhere. He wasn't even like a heralded kid coming out of high school. And he's turned into this just... His pocket presence, his awareness, his athletic ability, you know, he's not a, a running quarterback per se. But Tua he, getting hurt. He can run for getting yardage. Well, he even before Tua got hurt, he had overtaken Tua as going to be the number one pick. And I just, I do feel bad for him, like I said in our chat the other day, that he's going to be a Cincinnati Bengal, and that just ruins everything, doesn't it? <laughs> like, come on, really? You're gonna, he's got to go to the Bengals? Like, if you can find a way to stay back in school, I would just recommend you do that because you go to the Bengals, your career's done. Sorry, it's just the way it goes. Yeah, but what about possibly getting hurt, you know, before you sign that big contract? That, that's a that's tough That's why gamble. it won't happen, right. I know. I know. I know, it's a tough sell. Passing up millions of dollars and playing in the NFL, but to play in Cincinnati, let's get real. How is this going to play out? I think we all know. Could he pull an Eli Manning? Or John Elway and say that I'm not going to play for you? He totally could. He totally could. But the thing with Elway, when he did it to the Colts, is he had options. You know, he could have he could have played baseball. There was the um, shoot, what was the other football league called in the in the in the eighties where that Herschel Walker and Jim Kelly and Warren Moon all played for? Not the Canadian Football League, uh, Donald Trump's league. I don't know, man. USFL. Sorry, USFL. Um, There was the USFL that he could have played for. So Elway had options. And then Eli Manning, I think we all know his dad, Archie Manning, played in the NFL for the Saints as quarterback for a long time. And his big brother Peyton was in the league. So they kind of had leverage to dictate what they wanted to do. I don't think that Joe Burrow has any, you know, his dad is not – you know, of NFL royalty. He doesn't have, like, baseball or basketball options on the table. Like, he doesn't have things that he can use to his leverage to say, no, Bengals, don't take me, I won't play for you. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, he could, but that'd be a bold move. So, I don't know. Okay. And he doesn't seem like that type of guy either. Just listen to him talk during his interview. He, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to, He'll take the challenge, it seems like. And it will be a challenge. Yeah, just kind of organizationally, they're, they've dug themselves such a hole, such a um, a losing culture culture that it's, you know, it's tough to pull out of that. You see that with the Browns. You see that now with the, the Redskins and the Jets and, you know, teams that find ways to lose. Perpetual losing organizations that just can't get out of their own damn way. Yeah. And... It's almost like a curse to get taken to one of those organizations. Um, but if one positional player can do it, it's it's the quarterback position to to turn things around. Just hopefully he doesn't get dragged down. Hopefully he gets propped up. Like I think that's what we saw. One of the things with Baker Mayfield is he kind of got dragged down by the whole Browns culture. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackson being his coach initially, Hugh Jackson getting fired, then him attaching himself to Freddie Kittens, and then Freddie Kittens, who's all... Abject only, failure. Or, yeah, it's just like, there's no structure, there's no like backbone in the culture to help For, him succeed. And, and grow, he's and, still a very young quarterback. Right, so, 
We'll see. Zach Taylor is a young coach. We'll see if he's good. He comes from Sean McVay's system, so maybe that can help him out in a good offensive system. The Bengals' offense hasn't been terrible this year. But, so. but by next year, A.J. Green will be back, and that'll be... Will he? He was well, supposed to be back in the middle of this season. He just elected not to play. I think he, He's a bizarre dude, that A.J. Green. I think he kind of decided, like, it's not happening this year. I'm not going to risk it. I'm gonna continue to, you know, I'm not instead of coming back at eighty percent, I'm gonna stay out, and you know, get all the way back to a hundred percent. I respect that. You know, it's kind of like weighing the the risk reward. He doesn't need the money, you know, and what he wants to do is he wants to play at his highest level, and the most efficient way to do that is to not, you know, throw yourselves to the wolves on a on a sinking ship. If I may mix my metaphors there. Yeah, I don't know. I may feel a little differently about that myself, but I digress. All right, well, we'll keep it going with college football. Johnny, the college football playoffs are set. They are, and I was very pleased to see that LSU passed over Ohio State for the number one spot because now instead of having LSU play Clemson and Ohio State play Oklahoma in the final four, those would be the matchups. We get the uh, LSU-Clemson showdown that you're – Itching for. Hoping for. Hoping to see LSU play Clemson just because I freaking hate Ohio State more than anything in life itself. And Oklahoma is boring as hell to me as well. Like, so let's get those two shit-ass teams out of the way. And even if one of them does advance like Ohio State might, at least, you know, at least LSU has a good chance of taking them down. I think that it just sets up better this way for a more exciting final. And I think, you know, the final that most fans want to see is the LSU-Clemson battle because LSU's beaten five top ten teams this year. Uh, looks And that's and that makes them an all-time team. You know, they, they've played so well this year. They're undefeated. They're going to have the Heisman Trophy quarterback. Ohio State looks like a, an unbelievable, well-rounded team with two Heisman Trophy finalists, one on offense with Fields, one on defense with Chase Young. Uh, Burrow and Chase Young are going to be the number one and two picks in the draft next year, most likely. So that would be a good matchup, too, if it isn't Clemson-LSU. And if it's Clemson-LSU, you get Trevor Lawrence against Joe Burrow, which is pretty amazing. So, I mean, so December 28th, that, that Final Four weekend will be good, but hopefully um, the Monday, the, the second Monday following that will be, I think it's Monday, January, it's Monday, January 13th. Uh, that'll, that should make for a fantastic night for the national championship. Okay. Other notable games, we have the Rose Bowl uh, with number six, Oregon, and number eight, Wisconsin. The Citrus Bowl uh, with number 14, Michigan, and number 13, Alabama. And the Sugar Bowl with number five, Georgia, and number seven, Baylor. Yeah, those are all good, solid matchups. I like the Michigan-Alabama game. That'll be fun. I remember the, I think it was 98 or maybe it was the 99 game from the 98 season in Michigan-Alabama played, and Tom Brady led Michigan to an overtime victory and just an amazing, exciting game over Alabama. Um, you know, that was one of the first amazing Tom Brady performances that everyone got to see, so. Okay. Just to watch that one. Alrighty. Any final thoughts on this year in college football? No, go LSU. Okay. That's my new team right now. Hot on the bandwagon. Yep, I'm on the Tiger bandwagon. I like Joe Burrow. I like LSU. 
<laughs> okay, well, before we get into um, the week that is to come and the week that was in NFL football, I wanted to bring up um, this UFC fight that happened uh, on Saturday. And before I kind of give you my spiel here about what happened, I just want you guys to listen to me showing John and his wife, Christina, the video from the final moments of this fight. Got a little something there, bro. Yeah, what's going on with his face? <laughs> what is that? What do you mean, what is it? It watch, looks gross. Watch, watch. Not that one. Oh, that's not. Oh. Oh. Uh. Uh, <laughs> it's like hanging. Wait, wait, wait from this angle, this angle. John, there are literally like three seconds left in this match when it gets called. Ready? Oh, this is bad. Oh! Rips off! Face lip rips off! Oh! Shit. Like, tears off his face. Oh, man. <laughs> his face tore off his face. Oh, oh. oh. oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Wait, we didn't see that part before. Oh, alright. Oh, shit. Fuck. Okay, so, so clearly something horrifying happened there. Uh, Jerzinho Rosenstreak. Uh, unsure on the pronunciation there, secured a shock TKO win in the dying moments of the fifth and final round of the UFC main card event uh, in, I believe it was Washington. With only 11 seconds left in the match, uh, Rosenstruck hit Alistair Overeem, these fucking names, dude, with a, they're like hockey names, with a vicious right hook, exploding Overeem's upper lip, the skin tearing away and exposing his teeth. It was revealed after the fight that Overeem had won the first four rounds on all three official scorecards before Rosenstreak's Hail Mary punch secured him the win. Uh, it was his 10th consecutive pro victory, the fourth in the octagon, all by TKO. Johnny, that was the probably the most brutal knockout I've ever seen. That made me uncomfortable to watch. It wasn't even a knockout. It... They just stopped the fight. Yeah, I didn't like it. it made me physically ill. <laughs> you know what, though? I got to say, this is what I love about combat sports. You know, uh, wrestling, boxing, MMA, uh, Muay Thai, any, any, of the, any of the disciplines. You always have that chance throughout the whole match. If you can just, you know, in wrestling, if you can manage not to get pinned or, or get... Uh, Tech fault, you know, which is kind of like a mercy rule. If you're just getting your ass kicked too bad, once they score 15 points, it's over. But if you can stay in the fight, you have what they call a fighter's chance, you know? Yeah, you ever watch Rocky? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And per Creed? Yeah. Creed fighting Drago's son. All he had to do was stay in the fight, and then in the last round, you know, just muster enough to get a, to get a knockout. And boom, he flipped the script and won the fight. Exactly. So but that's you, the premise of all Rocky movies, pretty much, right? Just withstand <laughs> the blows, withstand the blows, and then eventually knock them down. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so con congratulations to um, Rosenstreaks uh, for for hanging in there and making a name for himself. Uh, they were memeing it all over the place. It's like 
you know, Monday coming at me like. Oof, yeah. You know. No thanks. So, all right. Well, let's move into uh, the week that was, again, a great uh, week for you and picks, Johnny. Some good games, some disappointing performances, and some horrible officiating. Uh, but before we get into any of that, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. What, Jerome Bogart and his officiating crew? Is that what you want to talk about? Uh, no, the other hilariously horrible thing that happened. The Patriots oh, come being on. accused of stealing sideline signals from the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't want per- to do this. Perhaps that's why... The offense has been performing so horribly. Why are you making me do this? They've been they've been stealing signs from, you know the. No. What do you want from me? <laughs> what do you What do you need? <laughs> what are you trying to get out of me here? You trying to make me cry? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I just come on. Do we need to do this? Like. Uh, I, all right. All right. Well, so I'll let you off the hook. A be, little well, bit. no, I don't want to be like left off the hook. Like being a Patriots fan is such a double-edged fucking sword. You get oh, yeah. all the glory, and then you get to deal with all this nonsense. Like, Belichick, like... Mm, I know you can't see me right now, but I'm rubbing my face because it's so aggravating. And I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like he might be a liar. Oh, shit, Johnny. Really? Do you feel that way? No. I was well. Of course, I feel that way. But I was. I'm very surprised. I thought you were going to come up on the other side of this. I just no. I mean, Belichick will do whatever it takes to win, and that it falls. You go back and you think about what happened in 2007 to Spygate. Let's just rewind history. All right. You want to get into it? Fine. 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 <laughs> Let's get into it. Fine. <laughs> I don't want to. But Take a deep fine. breath. Hold on. Hit your hit your inhaler. I already did it. Okay. <laughs> so we go back to 2007. It's opening day, and we're playing at the Jets in the Meadowlands, and we're facing former Patriots assistant and uh, defensive coach Eric Mangini, who knows the Patriots' workings inside and out, and he is uh, new to the Jets as a coach, and he says to the Patriots and to the league. I know what you guys do, filming the other sidelines and, you know, disguising yourselves in the press box, and I I, I know what you're going to do, and uh, so please don't come into my home, the Meadowlands, Jets Stadium, Giant Stadium, but the the Jets are playing, and do it here. I'm asking you not to do it. The NFL sent two letters to the Patriots and Belichick saying, don't do this. And Bel and and Mangini said to P- Belichick and Patriots, "Don't don't do it." What do the Patriots do? They send Walsh the scout and into his usual spot. You know, they tell him to flip his shirt inside out or whatever. And they have the built-in excuses that he's working for Kraft Sports Entertainment and they're not they're filming a, a separate program and they've got all the excuses already pre-programmed built in. But they're caught red-handed. Everyone knows what they were doing. How much now? How much of an advantage is it? Probably none. Because does it really matter? Probably not. No, probably not at all. Were other teams doing it? Absolutely. Many other teams were doing it. So I mean, in the end, does it really fucking matter? No. But why? So why do you need to do it, especially when you asked not to do it anymore? Okay. And he still did it anyway. It's like he took down his pants and just shat on Mangini's face. You know. And so Mangini's like. 
Fine, you do it, you just the first quarter of the game, they go and get the guy Walsh who was doing the taping, and boom, Spygate happens, Patriots lose $500,000, Belichick loses $250,000, they lose a first round pick, whatnot, and then NFL goes into Gillette Stadium in a room that only Belichick and a few others can get into, and they destroy all the videotapes from the previous years of the of the sideline filming that I've been been doing for years and all the other owners and GMs of all the other teams were saying well why did you destroy all the other films of the, from the previous years we wanted to see what was on those and it seemed like a big cover-up and that Goodell was maybe in cahoots with Kraft and helping out the Patriots and maybe he was maybe he wasn't who the fuck knows I, I don't I don't really know anyway it came to a quick resolution we got the punishment from Spygate came about five days after Fast forward to 2015. Deflategate happens. Is it really that big of a deal? Well, you know what? They were, they regardless of whatever happened, they were deflating the footballs. Okay, let's admit it. They were deflating the footballs. It was the, the ideal gas law and the and the and the temperature and the weather have something to do with it? Sure, but they were doing something sneaky. That's why you've never heard from those, the air pressure guys ever again. If you read the reports, the 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 Wells report afterward, you know. That they were up to something. And one guy called himself the deflator, and it wasn't because he was fucking overweight. Trying to lose weight. <laughs> right? Like, come on. Let's Tom Brady real. destroys a cell phone. Let, let's be let's get real here, okay? As Patriots fans, let's get real. Okay, let's be honest. For once oh, in our God, goddamn lives. I'm it's, loving it's, this. It's freedom. It's freeing. It's really freeing. So were they over and then they got punished for Deflate Gate. And did they get overly punished? Brady gets suspended for four games. Brady took it on the chin. Maybe was it too much? Yeah, it was too much. Because it really, did it have an effect on the game? No. Would it have mattered if they won? Yeah, the Colts are getting Did it help them win or lose? Anyways. Absolutely not. Does it give them an advantage? Probably not. Doesn't seem like it. They win no matter what. And they still won three times after that after that game. So did it really fucking matter? No, it didn't. So why are you doing this? I don't know. Now, so, you know, since 2007, whatever, the teams have been told you're not allowed to be in the press box Filming the other team's sideline. And since 2008, this other side, the team sidelines have been using headsets to call offensive and defensive signals. They use headsets. They don't even use hand signals. So what are they doing? What are they filming? What are the Patriots filming? I don't fucking know what they're filming. I don't know. Because what are you, what are you gaining? I don't know. They're using headsets. They're not using signs. You can look at, you watch the games. They're not using hand signals. This isn't college. They don't put up the big boards anymore. Like, NFL systems, they use headsets. So what are you gaining? Okay, I don't know. Regardless, so the Patriots say that they were doing, on their Patriots.com website, they do a series called Do Your Job. And it's on every single, it's not on every, it's on different members of the Patriots organization, from guys who do the turf, from guys who do video work, to scouts, to the janitors, to parking lot attendants. It's guys who are, doing their job they get little 10 minute segments on the patriots website and a patriots player kind of narrates it goes through what their job is how they started and what what they do what their job entails how nice long they worked there honoring the little man honoring the little man doing their job for the patriots and right. it's called do your job ironically right. so this fast forward to this week this is the first time that this scout's been doing it patriots are playing the chiefs the Bengals are at the browns patriots play at the Bengals next week who are by the way one and eleven now one and twelve and they've got the scout in the Browns press box, and the Browns did give permission to the Patriots. The Patriots asked the Browns for permission to, to do this segment, and it's supposed to be on the Patriots scout in the box filming him. But 
NFL rules say that you are not allowed to film the oppo- the sidelines, NFL opposing team sidelines from the press box. It's just not allowed. You can't gain anything from it anyway, and it's an old rule, but is it a stupid rule? Yeah. It doesn't matter? No. But either way, it seems like they were doing it. It sounds. It says they have eight minutes of footage of the Patriots recording the Bengals sideline. For what purposes? I have no fucking clue. Now... The Bengal, they say the Bengals guy saw the guy, he was dressed in Bruins gear, and the, he was watching from behind as he filmed the Bengals sideline. The Bengals guy saw the, the Patriots guy in Bruins gear filming the Bengals sideline, and he's watching it happen for eight minutes, and supposedly the guy in the Bruins gear says, can we just delete it and forget about this? If that happened, oh my god. Like, oh my god, if that happened, come on. <laughs> like really can we just delete it and forget about it i pray to god that sounds goofy that sounds like no there's no way he had to have said that right no way i mean come on anyway so nfl has the the footage of the eight minutes and they're looking at it and we're gonna find out exactly what happened and, and of course the patriots they have released a statement and they have owned up to it saying yes this happened it was an oversight there was a third party contractor for craft sports productions oh more craft sports productions craft sport, it's the same and the funniest thing is it's the same exact it's the, line it's the shell company it's that the gets same to exact take the line fall for that the... they that they were told <laughs> to to give in 2007 if they were caught it's the same exact line <laughs> like so and we're gonna and so what now people are just supposed to buy it oh no big deal patriots just made a mistake oh just dumb third party contractor and scout making a mistake like if there's anyone who should know the rules and follow the rules it's the patriots and the scout and the press box and what and what not they can film right saw me filming on the sideline <laughs> wasn't me now we're on to cincinnati wasn't me <laughs> I just can't anymore. I just can't anymore. I can't. I can't. And you know what it's just doing? It's tarnishing the legacy that they worked so hard to build. And it's like Belichick just... Well, maybe it's, all, maybe it's all built on lies, John. It's just, Maybe you're finally starting to see. It's not, though. You know this. It's like Belichick just giving everyone else the double freedom rockets and saying, Fuck you. I'm going to do whatever I want, and you're not going to stop me. So Belichick says he has nothing to do with this. It was a craft sports production. You really think that Bill Belichick will allow something to get out to the public about what the scout is doing? Do you think without his supervision? Do you think that Belichick would allow that? <laughs> no. Absolutely fucking not. If it was the parking lot attendant, maybe. If it was maybe. the janitor, maybe. But I still doubt it. I still <laughs> doubt it. I, if it's a scout, though, you damn well better know that fucking Belichick is going to need to approve that before it gets sent out. That's just the way things work in Foxborough. Belichick has final say and approval on everything. So for him to say, I don't know, wasn't my department, bullshit. Stop lying. Enough with the lies. It's not necessary. And you're, you're tarnishing this unbelievable legacy that has been built. Brady's reputation, Belichick's reputation, the fucking Patriots, and the greatest dynasty ever. You're making it seem less than it has been, and you're fueling the fire for other people and other fan bases to say it was all built on lies and bullshit, and that's not true because you're you're trying to get away with stupid shit and being arrogant about it and just double freedom rockets to the world because for what? For what? Johnny, I think that we just experienced... The greatest seven minutes this podcast has ever seen. All right. That's it. I'm out. I need water. Oh, all right. So we're going to take a break. 
uh, and get to our clip of the week here. Mr. Stephen Belichick, fucking rock hard American boy, loves football, doesn't give a fuck about his hair. Looks like a fucking Zach Galifianakis character. This is him talking. Together. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about how it correlates. It's just trying to do my thing, and I think that that's what's best. So that's what we're trying to do. Steve, Phil asked you about the chores. Do you have a memory of your first football chore or one of your first football chores that he asked you to do? Yeah, I got a couple memories of those. And you want to share? Any good? Uh, yeah, those are between me and him, yeah. <laughs> What's the best way to build? We laugh about him now. When did you first start watching film? Like he started when he was in high school. Um, uh, I've been watching it for a while. Uh, like I said, football is my thing. Um, I remember watching primetime with Chris Berman back when I lived in Cleveland and just watching highlights, learning, going into my dad's office in uh, Cleveland, spending time there trying to watch film. Like I said, I don't think I knew what I was doing, but I was trying. So other kids were watching cartoons, you were watching film? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I just wanted to spend time around football, spend time around my dad. Thank you, Steve. Uh, figure I'll ask. Any shot you can tell us who's calling plays on the defense? I got to run. <laughs> <laughs> Good effort. Okay, and we're back. John's had a cigarette. Uh, hmm. He's had a moment to breathe. And um, Steve Belichick, man, sounds just like, uh, sounds just like his dad. Sure does. Old man Belichick, young man Belichick sound one and the same. Even even like that that answer, uh, you know, he's like, we laugh about it sometimes. Like, yeah, lots of laughs do, at that. Do house. you? Do you really? Lots of laughs. Do you actually laugh? Because it, it, or do you just like look at the floor and odd, odd, like, <laughs> I think there's a lot more scheming going on at that house than laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, I mean that was it. I liked the line at the at the end too, where he was like, uh, you know, any any chance he'll tell us who's calling calling defensive plays? He's like, I gotta go. <laughs> That's it. Very very Belichickian. Really abrupt. Yep. Okay, <laughs> let's head into the week that was starting Thursday night. Dallas at Chicago. Uh, you had chosen Dallas. Chicago was plus three there. Right, Trubisky lives. Quick game of for real, not for real, John. Mitchell Trubisky. Well, that's a complicated question that you ask me, Ernesto. Um, I think that given the right play caller and coach, he can be for real, giving the wrong QB coach slash coordinator. Not for real. I mean, I'm sorry to be like like that, but it is like that. I mean, if they're helping Trubisky and moving him and getting him outside of the pocket and making the throws easier for him. He's clearly, we've seen the last three weeks, a quarterback that's been progressing and playing a hell of a lot better than he was before. Um, but if he's playing like he was earlier on the season, trying to keep him under center in, in the pocket and uh, trying to have him analyze the entire field, not just one side of it, I think that that makes it more complicated for him. So he needs help. So, uh, I mean, on his own, you want the answer? Not for real. With help, he can be for real. Okay. Next we have Carolina. I, I, we'll, we'll just gloss over Dallas as a whole. Wow. Um, yeah, wow. I, like, I kind of wish... Disappointing we, in every If we day. had Marty here, he could give us ju- a just as animated take that as, as I just gave on the Patriots about these Cowboys. Because clearly he's having Cowboy issues right now and he's <laughs> not happy about them. Why can't I quit you? Yeah. 
<laughs> and I think Garrett clearly has some pictures of Jerry Jerry with his whores because I, that's the only reason or explanation that I have as to why Jason Garrett is still employed. I mean, he and Garrett's team or whoever there's his people behind him, he have even threatened to go coach the Giants if he was to get let go. So there's clearly a lot more going on in Dallas than just football. There's a lot more planning for you know for future years going on, and I think. Jerry is not happy, and Garrett's not happy. Clearly, we didn't see Garrett clap doing any clapping at all on Thursday night, which is very unusual um, for him. And Jerry was pissed, and he ended his radio interview abruptly on Friday morning. And yet Garrett still has the job. So there's got to be pictures of Jerry with his horse. A horse? That, too. okay next we had carolina at atlanta atlanta minus three and uh atlanta won by 20 20 to 40 this is the ron rivera effect i think that ron rivera getting fired last week had a huge impact on the panthers organization and the players as a whole because he was a beloved figure there and the new ownership group said they weren't going to settle for losing and they showed it this week by firing ron rivera and I think the players responded with a less than stellar effort against the hapless Falcons, and that's what you get. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because sometimes that kind of change will really spark uh, an improvement in the team. Uh, see the Toronto Maple Leafs after the firing of Babcock, they went on a little bit of a run. But this, I, I don't see anybody league-wide that sees this as a positive change, like, you know, I mean, we talked about it I think it what the week. Panthers are looking for is... I think they knew that immediately this would not be good for the team, but does it really matter because their season was already basically over? But I think they're hoping for long-term finding somebody who can advance the organization further than Rivera ever did. So, we'll see. You know, obviously it's not going to help them for this season, but we'll see what happens next year and beyond. Okay, getting into our first contested pick of the week, and we ended the week um, last week at 34 to 35. So we had Baltimore going into Buffalo, Buffalo plus six here, and Baltimore covers, but just. By a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 24 to 17. The Ravens pull out the victory here. It wasn't a great day for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offense, but. It was a worse day for Josh Allen and the Bills offense. So there you have it. The um, That loss pretty much seals the Bills' fate as unable to win the AFC East. Because now, even if they beat the Patriots in two weeks, or actually like 10 days from now in week 16, if the Bills beat New England in Foxborough and the teams finish with the same identical uh, 12 and 4 records, the Patriots will still have the tiebreaker. So technically, the Patriots has, still have a two game lead now over the Bills. So even a Bills victory over the Patriots in Foxborough, this I know this is a big question for a lot of Patriots fans. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the Bills are going to lose in Heinz Field next week anyway. I'm just so. saying, if they didn't, if they won out, the Patriots <laughs> won out, and they finished with the same record, the Patriots have the head to head tiebreaker based on common uh, winning 
common opponent winning percentage. The Patriots have the edge on them. So, so the Bills, uh, this loss likely cost the Bills the division chance. And man, does, does Baltimore just continues to steamroll everyone. And um, you got to love Lamar Jackson. <clears throat> Again, it's really hard for me to... Just like last year with Baker Mayfield, I feel so much affection for this team because the troll job. I just can't believe on, you as a Steelers fan have any positive words to say about Ravens. I think that like that, hold that would on. make me saying something good about the the Jets or the Yankees. Hear me out. Hear me out. The the troll job on that uh, color commentator who said that just because he's a black dude, that's why those play action passes are. But working it's so true. Well. The players said it was true. So he wore white long shirt, long sleeve shirt, and white gloves for this game. But I like how the 49ers players came that. to his defense. Though they said it's he has a valid point. Richard Sherman said it is tough to see. It's true. So yeah, everyone was like, oh, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's being racist. He's an idiot. He's a fucking idiot. And the players were like, no, he makes good points. So, yeah, there you go. From the players on the field who have to try to stop him, they say he made a good point. So poor, well, t- poor Tim Ryan. I kind of feel for him. In our, in our hypersensitive era of 2019, this this era that we live in, and we got to overanalyze and be oversensitive about everything. All right, but I, I, hear, I hear that. But, again, getting back to the troll job, Lamar Jackson wearing long right. sleeve what? You know, white long sleeve shirt with white gloves. Well, the offense wasn't great in this game, so was it really a great troll job? I don't know. Yeah, they 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 won and they covered, so okay. truly enough for me. All right. Uh, next contested pick, we had Cincinnati at Cleveland. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention you had chosen Baltimore there, so yeah, you won that pick. And uh, so Cincinnati at Cleveland, you chose Cincinnati, and they lost nineteen to twenty seven. Butt cover. But they covered, and that was that's the important factor because this was one of my marquee bets of the week. Um, so if you took the Bengals, you you won. Uh, Joe Mixon had a great game, 23 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown. Um, on the Cleveland side, Nick Chubb is the only running back this season to rush for at least 75 yards in, in, one in, in every single game for his team this season. So he's been a very consistent runner for the Browns all season long. And that looks to continue on the uh, negative side for the Browns. Odell Beckham continues to struggle with his with his newfound team. Uh, it looks like he may be headed in the out direction out of Cleveland in the off season, but we'll see. Um, that's that. What else is there to say? Okay, Washington at Green Bay. Green Bay minus thirteen, and they win by five. 15 to 20. The Redskins' last dance here. This was it for the Redskins. If they won, they would have been staying alive in the divisional race. They had a chance to win the division coming into this game with a 3-9 and nine record. And God, I was rooting for all that chaos. Because with Dallas being in turmoil and Philly being in turmoil, you know, and the Redskins had won two in a row, if they could pull this game out, they, you know, they would have had a chance to win out and win the division. And man, would have that have caused a scene in the NFL but unfortunately, it did not come to that result, and the Redskins end up losing this game. Valiant effort, though. Redskins defense has been pretty solid all year long. Uh, they lose 20 to 15 to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at, at Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Jones, big day rushing. Uh, Rodgers, not a very good day passing the ball, and not much else to speak of in this game. Okay. Next, we had Detroit at Minnesota. Minnesota minus 13. And they win by 13, 7-20. Uh, yeah, so I didn't catch much of this game. Um, I know 
Diggs had some really nice catches in this game and a, and a solid uh, solid wide receiver cornerback matchup against Darius Slay. And um, I know Dar Dalvin Cook ended up playing in this game, carried 18 times, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Cousins had kind of a light day offensively. And the Lions continue to be the Lions. All right. We had our next contested pick here. San Francisco at New Orleans. New Orleans minus two and a half. Losing by two, 48 to 46. Uh, heralded as the game of the week. Uh, yes. From uh, Robbie Gold kicks a game-winning 30-yard field goal. His time expired to pull it out 48-46 as they go into New Orleans and win this game. Um there's quite the shootout that wasn't expected. It was more of a defensive battle expected in this game, but the offense has proved to be elite in this game. Drew Brees, five touchdowns passing, one running. Jimmy G, four touchdowns passing, 349 yards passing. Uh, Raheem Mostart running the ball well. Emmanuel Sanders, seven catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, it was a great game. Maybe a possible NFC Championship preview. Awesome. And you prove. <laughs> Improve your record to 3-0 on the day. Next, we had Miami at New York Jets. New Jets minus 5.5. Uh, the Jets just pulling it out 21-22 to in this week's toilet bowl. Yeah, field goals all over the place. The Miami Dolphins kicker had seven field goals in this game. Um, That's how they scored 21 points? Yes, sir. Holy Jason fuck. Jason Sanders. Yep, seven. Our ties record with seven field goal kicks in the game. Wow. That's not a record you want to have. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he probably doesn't mind he, it. But. Yes. Jason Sanders. <laughs> Who? <laughs> All right, next we had Indianapolis at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay minus three, and they win by three. The rise of the Buccaneers continues, and the fall of the Colts continues. Um, but the problem is Mike Evans hurt his hamstring. He looks like he's going to be out for the year. Uh, Jameis Winston, another big touchdown game, but he also had three interceptions to go with his four touchdowns, and he threw for 456 yards in the air. And you're not going to win like that when it matters. True, but they've been winning a lot lately. Okay. Still in the hunt. Next we have Denver at Houston. Houston minus nine, uh, and they lose outright 38-24. to 24. This, was the, like, this was another one of those lock of the week picks. Houston just won the Super Bowl over the Patriots on the Sunday Night Football the week before. So I'm sure they partied like it, didn't prepare at all, and they let uh, the Patriots offense, who struggled so mightily on that Sunday Night Football game, they let the the Drew Locke and the mighty Broncos offense come into Houston, <coughs> and Drew Locke completed 22 of 27 for 309 yards and three touchdowns through the air, and the Broncos shredded the Houston Texans. In fact, at one point in this game, they were up 38-3. to So... What dominant performance by those muddy Broncos. Jesus. All right, we have our next contested pick here, the dreaded Candid City at New England game. New England minus three here, losing 23-16. to 16. Yeah, Patriots lose to Jerome Bogart and the officiating crew. Um, wouldn't have covered, though. Well, what do you mean they wouldn't have covered? The, the game would have been tied. The, the game, so the, the, the refs didn't cost the Patriots the win. They cost them the, the tie game and the opportunity to win win in overtime. They cost them a tie, so. But didn't Kansas City come back and score again after that? No, they did not. No. Um, so, no. No, the Patriots, and they would have allowed it. The Patriots only would have needed a field goal. Was there a different line on our 
Yeah, so on ESPN, we had three and a half. I just remember thinking, like, fuck, there's no way we're going to win this because when they get the ball back, they're going to, you know, I thought they were going to drive and drive just as far as for a field goal, you do the matriculation thing, kick the field goal, and I was screwed there. So, Yeah, just an ugly game for the Patriots offense, especially in the first half. And, you know, I, I, Myers can't catch, man. Myers can't catch the offense, and, and, and Brady doesn't trust him. Clearly, you know a big a big narrative coming out of this game was that um, Myers was wide open. You know, on that, you know, fourth those, down, four and a final fourth down play of the game. Yeah, man, and he was he would have had a touchdown, but Brady's like, don't don't trust you to catch the ball from me, so I'm gonna force it to Edelman, and that didn't work out clearly. But, yeah, they're clear there was blown calls when uh, McCourty forced the fumble from Kelsey, which was an amazing play. Gilmore had the ball and was running down the field for a touchdown, and the refs blew it dead. And Why did they do that? I, I don't, don't understand. Just, There's so many procedural things that the refs do. Okay, let's then, get into the refs. Let's okay. just fucking do it. And so then, and Belichick's, what are you doing? He had his hands up in a touchdown like pose with his hands up over his head. And, like, you just cost me a fucking touchdown. By blowing the whistle dead, by blowing the whistle there and ruling the play dead, and sure enough, you know they call, they they look at it and it's a fumble. And the Patriots get the ball, but they would have had a touchdown, and so whatever they get the ball back, they drive down the field, and Nikhil Harry looks like he scores a touchdown and instead of just calling it a touchdown on the field. And, and Belichick had used had had to use his second challenge on that Kelsey play. So he was out of challenges at that point because the refs had sucked so bad. He already had to use I don't them. understand how they, on that play, how it doesn't get ruled a touchdown. Right. So you ruled, or, you not, ruled or, the Nikhil Harry. Fumble. Yeah, and you, you ruled the Nikhil Harry play. You ruled, you should need to you need to rule that a touchdown and then take it away. Take it away if it needs to be taken away. You don't because not they give automatically it to because get reviewed. It's just the way it's supposed to be called and the referees like have stated that's how it should be called on the field and there were three officials looking at it and they said that you couldn't see it but there were three officials in direct plain view of it and they say the one official who was closest is from baltimore um it's and there's a caller to a local radio station um i think it's not jerome it's something with a j it's um but there's a, a jerome from baltimore and he calls in a local radio station every morning after the game and they're saying that this official is from Baltimore and looking to help the Ravens. Um, and that's why he knew that the Patriots were out of challenges and that if you don't call it a touchdown on the field, there was nothing they can do about it. So uh, I'm, that's conspiracy theory. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. have a hard time ever. I'm just stating what I, what I heard. I know. I have a, a hard time ever putting any credence to these guys are really just trying to do the best they can. But uh, this was bad. This was really bad. This game was, was bad. And then on the final drive, the Patriots threw the ball up to Dorsett, and he was clearly, it was like the Saints championship oh, yeah. game last year. He was tackled. He was tackled before the ball got there, and there was no pass interference call. And what it's is, like, what uh, what is going on here? Like, who, who, is, what, who is refereeing these games? There's seven officials, and clearly nobody is seeing what's happening on the field for the Patriots. And it was an absolute shit show. And it's not the first time Bo, Jerome Boger and his crew have have had these issues. They did the game, the Super Bowl, where the Ravens played the Niners and the lights went out. That was a horribly officiated game. Uh, they did a game and the Patriots played the Jets years ago and the Patriots got penalized for jump, jumping over on a field goal block at the end of the game when they they shouldn't have been. So, And there's been numerous other instances where these officials have 
messed up games completely and they shouldn't be doing high profile games like this like you want to send Jerome Bogart and his crew because you need referees send them to Miami and New York against the Jets send them to that game don't New England Kansas City was a game that every NFL fan had circled on their calendar from day one of the season don't have them one of the most important games of the year be officiated by these bunch of idiots. One of the things that NHL does that I really like is they will automatically review any potential scoring play. Yeah. You know, so there'll be times when, you know, play has continued. They'll play for 40 seconds and then the horn will sound and they get a call from Toronto and, and the referee skates over and takes the call and, and then they call... You know, yeah, I'm just tired of talking about officials, man. Like enough's enough. Enough enough is enough. Like, I th- like we I think we, a simple we fix have been jobbed for, of this. A simple fix in a situation like that is that any potential if you even fall anywhere near the end zone, they have to take a look at it. That well that's what the directive from the league offices has been. Rule it a touchdown and we can check it to make sure. Not not rule it a touchdown and force the team to challenge it. That's not it. It's rule it a touchdown and we'll look at it. But so clearly those officials had a different agenda on their minds, especially hmm. on the Harry play. All right. Because Con- he was in. Conspiracy. Either way, the Patriots freaking lose the game. Did they deserve to win? Probably not. But they were robbed of a chance to be tied and potentially win. Mm-hmm. The main criticism against the Patriots at this point at least um, um, in my mind, is that they still had four shots from, you know, what was it, four and goal? Yeah, three-yard line. They were down that. Even after the Harry play, they were down on the three-yard line. Yeah, so should be able to make it in there. And the red zone offense has been brutal this year, just absolutely brutal. The offense as a whole has been brutal, and it just seems to get worse every week. So Sony Michelle looks like an absolute bust at running back. Um, Isaiah Wynn. Had 13 negative plays at left tackle. So he looks like a bust of a first-round pick last year. Nikhil Harry played all of uh, two snaps in the game on Sunday. So he looks like first-round bust this year. So that's three first-round picks in the last two years who all look like they can't play. He had a potential touchdown on one of those plays, though. Yeah, so they're, they're talking this week. McDaniel said earlier today that they need to get Harry involved more. So we'll see. But again, he needs to know the plays and he needs to catch the ball. Um, if they can they get... need to simplify the playbook. I know, I know. All right, so moving on, <laughs> we still have to talk about the A lot Patriots, of Patriots problems again. We do this episode. Yeah, all right. In the week that is to come. Okay, let's move on now. Okay, been Los, a rough week. Los Angeles Chargers at Jacksonville. Jacksonville only plus three, and they fucking tripled that, uh, winning forty-five to ten. Uh, yeah, so I really, uh, the only part I saw of this game was the trash talking by Rivers to the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive lineman after he threw a 90 yard touchdown pass. That was pretty cute. Um, I liked that a lot. Probably the last great moment of the season or of Phil Rivers' career. He threw three touchdown passes. Uh, Eckler, Austin Eckler had a huge game with over 200 yards of offense and a touchdown. Um,. On Jacksonville's side, I think Leonard Fournette ended up getting benched. DJ Chark ended up with an injury. So, um, the guard- All-around shit sandwich for yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah, Gardner Minshew didn't look very good and thrown for only 162 yards. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it looks like another lost season for Jacksonville. Okay. 
Tennessee at Oakland. Tennessee minus three, winning another landslide victory. The Tannehill Titans continue to roll yes. 42 to 21. This is my new favorite team, the Titans. <laughs> I'm on board, man. I'm loving these Titans. Watch out. Break up the Titans. They're going to win the South. They're going to win the division because uh, they play Houston in two of the next three weeks, and they are going to take those Texans down. The Tana Titans, baby. Let's go. Yeah, very. Derrick Henry is is having an unbelievable since the end of last year to this year. He's been the second best running back in football, quietly behind McCaffrey. Uh, so him and Tannehill continue to put up big numbers. Tannehill, 391 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Derrick Henry, 103 yards rushing, two touchdowns. And rookie receiver A.J. Brown, five catches, 153 yards, and two touchdowns. So... Uh, the offense is cranking. The defense, we know, has been playing well for Tennessee. And, you know, we saw them beat Kansas City a couple weeks ago at home. And now this upcoming week, they play the Texans at home. And they can take over the division starting this week. So, let's go Titans. Okay. Next, we have Pittsburgh at Arizona. The return of the Duck. Yeah, this is all you, man. What you got? Oh, he just keeps making it happen, baby. Uh, we win 23-17. to 17. Defense winning, winning the game for us again. We had three interceptions, two by Joe Hayden, one to end the game. Another quick round of Freel or not Freel, Johnny. Kyler Murray. Um, I'm going to say, like, like, what are we, like, like for real, like, Hall of Fame, Pro Bowl, like, uh, winning team? Like, how, how, like, what do you mean? First round pick. Freel um, or not Freel? boy i'm gonna say not for real and it's not for the reason you think it's for the reason that his division looks to be impossibly tough going forward okay so if you look at the teams the rams the seahawks and the 49ers what do all three teams have in common the good three really good defensive teams three teams that have been teams that have been good or on the rise um I just think his division is going to be hard to overcome for the next five plus years, right? Do you, don't you see the same thing? Mm-hmm. So is he going to be a relevant winning quarterback in this league? I don't see it. So I'm, I think it's out of a lot of it's not really within his control because he's going to have six games a year where he has to go up against the Niners, the Rams, and the Seahawks, and those are not easy games. Mm-hmm. So not for real. Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers, for real or not for real? Um, I mean, I think you're going to get your answer Sunday. I know you want it now, but Duck Hodges led undefeated starting quarterback. Duck Hodges led the defense is for real. Clearly the defense is not, they're not just real. They're an all time defense. I gave you, I sent you a text earlier this week and uh, defensive value added since the in the 2000s era. They're one of the top defenses in the two, since 2000 on mm-hmm. this year's Steelers. So you've got an all time defense on your hands, which is fantastic. It's just can you you have the similar issues to the Patriots? Surprisingly, can your offense do enough? Well, I think that again undefeated quarterback Devlin Hodges. Devlin <laughs> Duck Hodges. Keep saying that. So. <laughs> we'll see this weekend. Oh man, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start talking so much shit if we win this weekend, though. 
Um, I think he's doing exactly what Tomlin wants him to do, which is not lose the game. Right. And he's doing it with ne- with nearly no weapons. You know, but mm-hmm. he's he's he went 16 for 19, 152 yards, one touchdown. Uh, of course, Deontay Johnson had that awesome. He looks good. Uh, what was it, 86 yard return or something like that? James Washington is really looking like a stud. I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Contributions from Kareth White, uh, five attempts, 41 yards. Benny Snell uh, doing his thing, 16 attempts, 41 yards. Everyone's kind of just doing enough, and then the defense is winning us the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so. This was a tricky game. The line on this was tricky. I, I was a little worried about this game. So. I, th- I, I, it's, I think it's big that you pulled it out. And with this win, um, we secure for Mike Tomlin the continuation of his streak, which I believe is tied for most by a head coach at the beginning of his career. 13 consecutive... 500 or above. 500 or above seasons, yes, thank you. Uh, do you remember who he's tied with? No. Actually, Johnny, it was uh, Curly Lambeau. Right, good old Curly. <laughs> uh, gotta love those old-fashioned names, man. I do. It was awesome. And uh, another thing that I want to bring up here, in the last two weeks, the undrafted rookie, Devlin Hodges, has beaten the first pick in the last two drafts. Baker and Kyler. Yep, well done. So, good on the duck. Um, at this point, the Steelers have met my highest expectation for their performance this year, Johnny. But they need to make the playoffs now, right? You know what? I, I said this at the beginning of the year, and I halfway through the year, when they started doing well, I said I was not going to realign my expectations. And so I'm going to be true to my word. I'm not going to realign my expectations. Of course, I hope they make the playoffs. Dude, they've won seven out of eight. I hope they make the playoffs. And it should be 9 out of 10. If they didn't lose that Baltimore game that we've talked about in that juju fumble in overtime, That they would have won 9 of 10. I hope but they make they've the, won 7 of 8. I hope they make the playoffs. And it's not like but, they've beaten... They've, they've played... I mean, the schedule hasn't been great, but, you know, <laughs> they've beaten the Rams. They've beaten the Chargers. Johnny, you're not going to talk me into caring, man. I... You've been flexed to Sunday Night Football this week against the Buffalo Bills at home. I know. That's a big game for you. You haven't played it, well okay. at night, though. I, I will say this. I will say this. We'll talk about that going forward, though. If we win this game, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> and all bets are off. You're, so you're, you're hedging yourself here. You're I'm hedging myself. You're okay. a little bit worried about this week. I am a little bit worried about this week. Regardless, moving forward, they have met my expectations. Everything else is candy. If we make the playoffs, I'll be so happy. If we lose in the first round or if we don't even make it at all, I'll still be so happy because this team gave me a lot to be happy about this year. More than Marty's team has, who... who oh, for sure. You know, or... What a letdown. More than... I mean, you've got a 10-3 and three team on your hand that you're... Feels like we have a 3-10 and 10 team. Right, exactly. So, I've had, in what I thought at week two was going to be the end of my season, I've had a... Week I've, three. You guys started 0-3. Right, but... 0-3. After, after week two, you could tell something was seriously, seriously wrong. But you had a tough schedule to start the year. You were at New England, Seattle, San Francisco. Yeah. And you played close to ben Seattle and Bre- San Francisco. Ben, you lost ben. ben. We lost Ben. Does that even count as 
game three, we lost him like five minutes into it. Right. So, um, anyways. Mo- moving on. Moving on. Next contested pick, Seattle at the Los Angeles Rams. This is what we talk about every week with Seattle, right? They're the line. They always have this ridiculous line. They're only favored by one point in this game. Like they are every week. It seems like they're favored by one point. They've been fading us. And they've 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 been right. Then they cover the one point. I'm like, why is it only one point? Why is it only one point? And yet they keep winning. They keep winning. They keep winning. And finally this week they're favored by one point. I finally take them. <laughs> and the Rams show up and they dominate them and they make Seattle look like they're not really that good. Well, maybe they're not that good. Russell Wilson lost the MVP this week. For our purposes, you picked the Los Angeles Rams. So good for you, Johnny. Ah, yeah, yeah. They they even choked me in on the, on the last last minute. Last minute on the personal picks. Yeah. Fuck, you could have gone fourteen. I could have. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I was really disappointed by this game. I, I things just were not clicking for Seattle. It was just one of one of those games where they couldn't seem to to get it going and to, and to see that happen. Um, and they lost Rashard Penny for the for the uh, for the rest of the year mm-hmm. with the injury. He will be out till next year. Uh, so it's going to be Fumble and Chris Carson show going forward. We'll see how he does. Uh, for the Rams, Goff looks okay like he usually does at home. Gurley's been looking a hell of a lot better. Tyler Higby's playing well. Cooper Cup's snaps have gone way down. I think he only played like 29% of the snaps this week. Uh, Brandon Cooks is getting barely any runs. So there's some issues going on with these teams that are questionable. Um, makes me wonder a little bit about them, but... As we know in the NFL, things change week to week, so we'll see. Okay. We had our final contested pick of the week. Last night, Monday night, the New York Giants at Philadelphia. The return of Eli Manning, perhaps the departure of Eli Manning um, from our TVs. I hope so, man. It's it's tough watching him work. It is. But Philadelphia they... uh, favored by eight and a half. The Eagles win by six, so the Giants cover. 17-23. to 23. In overtime. So the Giants had a 17-7 to 7 lead in this game, and they were like, oh, no, actually, we don't want to win. So they allowed the dysfunctional Eagles to come back and win and tie it late and win it in overtime on a Wentz-to-Ertz touchdown. Uh, so, and something named Boston Scott had a big day of running the ball um, and catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, yeah, he was all over the place. The Boston Scott. something (laughs) man well the Eagles don't really have uh, anybody to throw to anymore no Alshon went down looks like he might be out for the year so Aguilar was out in this game too wasn't he Uh, yeah not that he uh, can catch the ball when he's in there Houston Cougars quarterback extraordinary Greg Ward playing receiver for them right now so things are pretty dire in Eagle land for receiver my goodness. All right, well, let's get right into that week that is to come. Thursday night, we have the 5-8 and eight Jets at Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore at 11-2 and two and favored by 15. All right, so last week was a big underdog week, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this week is the big favorites week. Um, so I'm going to go Baltimore minus 15 here. Gonna, yeah, I think I'm going to lay the wood at home. Lamar Jackson is just going to have a fucking field day with this terrible Jets team. Yeah, I agree. 
The six and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading into the three nine and one Detroit Lions. Detroit home dogs at plus three and a half. Yeah, I like what Tampa's doing lately, especially offensively. Um, looks like Marvin Jones is going to be out at receiver for the Lions, so another weapon down for them. So yeah, I'm going to go Buccaneers. Tampa minus three and a half. New England at Cincinnati. On to Cincinnati. And New England has the benefit of all of their sideline calls. <laughs> Cincinnati yep. plus nine. Even though plays aren't teams don't use plays from the, their sidelines as calls in the NFL. They haven't in <laughs> ten plus years, but they've got them. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna take Patriots with the sideline calls. <laughs> Minus nine. A uh, little fantasy island here, John. How badly is New England uh, gonna implode on itself? If somehow they manage to fucking lose this game. Yeah, I don't know, man. They were getting booed at home at halftime, which is mind-blowing. That pissed when me off. When they weren't even out of the game yet. I know. I tweeted, if you're at this game booing the Patriots at halftime, you deserve to get thrown out of the game. What kind of fan are you? All these years and all the success, and you have the audacity to boo this team? <laughs> get the fuck out of here, you fucking spoiled scumbag piece of shit. Like, you deserve to have the Cleveland Browns as a team if you're booing the Patriots. <laughs> okay. Chicago heading into Green Bay. Chicago 7-6. and six. Green Bay sitting pretty at 10-3. and three. Green Bay favored at home by 4.5. It's a little tricky one, huh? This is a tricky, tricky, tricky spot because these teams play close games. And Green Bay plays well at home. And Rodgers plays well against the Bears, but Trubisky and them are on a roll. They know they need to win out to get into the playoffs and keep their season going. The Bears are playing well. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bears to cover here. I'm going to go Bears plus four and a half. I, I think that the Packers will probably pull this game out, but I think that Chicago's you know, able to cover. I do. I think they can lose by one, two, three, or four. Okay. I'll go ahead and take Aaron Rodgers and the Packers here. Uh, to win by at least a touchdown. Yeah, I think it has a. I think it has the the chance um, to get ugly. If memory serves, they had a really hard time against the Bears at the beginning of the season. I think uh, Rodgers hadn't quite hit his form. He's gonna do. It was uh, ten to three. Green Bay won Week One in Chicago. Right, right. and I, th- I think I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be much improved in this game. Okay. The eight and five Houston Texans head to the eight and five Tannehill Titans. Yes, for the, the NFC Battle South of the NFC South, man. My Titans, ride them, dude, ride them. Tennessee minus three, take them, take them hard, take them heavy. I'm telling you, man, the Titans have something going on. They have the <laughs> mojo. They're playing well. Nobody knows about it, and they just they like it that way. You know They're what? It. I, and I meant to ask you when we were talking about them earlier. Does is there a NFL comeback player of the year, like there is an NHL, where where you know players who who fall from grace and then have an amazing. Oh, season. for sure, yeah. It was a was it Andrew Luck last year? Yeah, you're looking at Mr. Tannehill, aren't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Resurrected his career. Now they're saying they want to sign him to a long term deal to be their quarterback of the future. Hey, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. And he's big and tall and strong, and he can run the ball and. All of a sudden, his arm looks good, and they just they they look like a threat, and they are. They beat we've seen them beat Kansas City and beat other teams, and they are rolling. Okay, the five and eight Denver Broncos heading into Kansas City. 
Uh, Kansas City favored by 10. I'm going to go with Drew Locke and the Broncos plus 10. He said, this is a this is a, a week for favorites, so I'm going to go with Kansas City here. It is, but yeah, for, for me, the deciding factor here was Chiefs are coming off that big win in, pa- in Patriot land where they ended the 21-game home win streak. Uh, you're, you're big on the Patriots hangover. It uh, happens all the time. They, they were partying like it was 1999 <laughs> and after the game, clearly. And, you know, the Broncos are not completely out of it. Drew Locke is the new quarterback. The offense looks like it's playing well. Uh, these two teams absolutely hate each other. They they always seem to play close games or hard-fought games. So I really don't have much issue going with the Broncos plus 10 here. It's a lot of points. I'll take them. Oh, and Mahomes banged up his hand pretty good in last week's game. So their offense isn't, doesn't look to be clicking on all cylinders like it was last year. So, you know, if the Broncos can keep it, if they can keep it under 30, I think that they'll cover. Okay. Miami, the 3-10 and 10 Dolphins making back-to-back trips to MetLife Stadium. This time to see the New York Giants, the 2-11 and 11 Giants. What do you think here? That's the, it's the who gives a shit game of the week. And the Giants are favored by three and a half, which is like, why? I don't know. Why can't it be three? <laughs> I feel much better at three. But, uh, so, Dolphins are losing weapons. Parker got hurt, which is a big loss. If he doesn't play this week. Uh, but the Giants want to lose. But the Dolphins want to lose. So, uh, I'm going to go, I'll, the line here is going to leave me the Giants minus three and a half. So, I'll, I'll just take it. I don't feel good about it at all. Yeah. If you're betting on this game, why? Don't. Yeah, don't. Next Both week. teams want to lose, so. <laughs> all right, next we have... Philadelphia, uh, the six and seven Eagles at Washington. Washington sitting at three and ten right now, and Washington uh, getting four and a half points here. I'll go Eagles minus four and a half because the Redskins, now that their season is officially over, they have nothing to play hard for, even though they have been playing hard. And not the, to play, not they don't want to play spoilers here. Well, you're right; they do not like that. But they also just lost their running back. Well, they still have Adrian Peterson, but they're. Young running back Darius Geis sprained knee ligament again, so he's out for the rest of the year. So I think that's a big loss offensively for them. So um, if they're Eagles and there are no weapons, somehow find a way to cover four and a half, I say. Great. Another game, quick game of for real or not for real, Dwayne Haskins. Oh, not for real. Not even close to real. Okay. That's <laughs> pretty pretty final. Yeah, there's no debate here. Okay. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> Next we have Seattle, the ten and three Seahawks at the five and eight Carolina Panthers. The Panthers getting six points. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. The Seahawks are actually favored by a good amount here, not one. So I'm gonna go Seahawks minus six. I think the Panthers are like host. Uh, they're just not. I feel like their uh, enthusiasm has waned without Coach Rivera and on the sidelines. Okay. Next we had the four and nine Jacksonville Jaguars at the six and seven Oakland Raiders. The Raiders uh, are giving up six and a half points here. Jeez. Um, yeah, I'd rather not pick this game, but we have to. You gotta. Okay. I still don't want to pick it. Um. Fine. I'll go Raiders six and a half. 
But only because you have to. Because I have to, right, because I need to pick a side. <laughs> okay, we have the 6-7 and seven Cleveland Browns. Next we have the 6-7 and seven Cleveland Browns heading to Arizona. State Farm Stadium. State Farm Stadium, 3-9-1. and one. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, and the Cardinals are plus 2.5. So this is the uh, battle of the former Oklahoma quarterbacks, Baker versus Kyler, former number one versus former number one. Um... Well, geez, this is another tricky one you got there, sir. Um, yeah, I'll go Browns minus two and a half. But again, I don't like this game either. Okay, you know, just for just for shits and gigs, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, contest this one. I think it'd be. This is probably a good contest. Yeah, I'd contest it too. I think the In fact, Brown... I will contest it. The, yes. <laughs> the Browns are such a shit sandwich that. I could very much see them losing this oh, game. Oh, totally. I mean, and it's another trap, too. You know, trap betters and the taking Browns minus two and a half, and they go in there and shit the bed. That's totally their MO. Mm-hmm. Next, we have the 9-4 and four Minnesota Vikings at the Los Angeles Ugh. Chargers, sitting at 5-8. and eight, The Chargers plus two and a half. Yeah, this looks like another trap, doesn't it? Fuck. Right? It has trap written all over it. Vikings nine and four minus two and a half at five and eight Chargers with no home field advantage there, um, and the Vikings have had to travel all across the country this year. But I still like the Vikings. I think they're a good overall team. I'm going to take the Vikings. Might be a sucker bet though, so I'd watch out if you're betting on this one. It looks easy, but easy doesn't usually come through. Okay. Next we have the eight and five Los Angeles Rams at the six and seven Dallas Cowboys, and this is one of those lines that. Smells terrible. Plus one for the Cowboys. How are the Rams only favored by one? Rams minus one. Because we're at Dallas, and Dallas needs to win. Um, but they're they're not a good team on the field. They're a good team on paper. Right. They're great athletes. Yep. Individually, the the individual performances have been amazing. But no, they I like the Rams minus one here a lot. This is one of my stronger picks of the week. I just think the Cowboys are in meltdown mode. Full meltdown mode. And the Rams are still they're playing for something. You know what? Um, I'm going to contest this on behalf of Marty. I think Do Marty... you think Marty would really contest this after all that shit talking this week? Marty needs this win. He does. I think for, I think for, his, for his heart and soul. So we're going to put a star on this and just hope beyond hope that the dumb boys can get it done. And get back into... Because if they lose this game... They're fine. I think then the deep down they, they know that it's going to come down to the Week 16 game at Philadelphia at the Eagles. Well, I think that's going to be the case So anyways. even if the Eagles win against the Redskins and the Eagles are 7-7 seven and seven, and the Cowboys lose this one and they're 6-8, and eight, the Cowboys go into Philly next week and win and tie them. And so both teams are 7-8. and eight. The Cowboys have the... The tiebreaker then, because they'll have won both games against the Eagles. So, does this game really matter? No, they can lose this one too. <laughs> they can. Okay. All right. Well, Marty needs this one, so we'll we'll keep the star on there. Atlanta, the Falcons at four and nine, heading into San Francisco. The eleven and two, Forty Niners, hot off a win. Minus 11. If Shanahan gets his old um, 
offense to go up against. His old his old team gets to come in and faces a new current team. Uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, offensive coordinator here, uh, minus eleven. I'm gonna go with the uh, Schottenheimers. I'm sorry, Shanahan's. Okay. Next we have the nine and four, the game of the week. Some would say the nine and four. Sunday football. Buffalo Bills at the eight and five Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers. This seemed like a fishy line to me. Steelers minus two. I think it's a close game. I do. I think it's going to be a close game too. But I'm what do you very. Like? Su- I'm very well. You know who I like. You like Steelers. I I I, I think. Uh... You know but why haven't the Steelers played well at night this year? They've really played poorly at night, and that's well. I, it's hard to play under the lights when your entire team, all the skill positions, are first-year guys or nobodies. Yeah, this one's tricky. Um, I'm gonna go Steelers minus two, but I'm a little worried about it. The defense, the defense to... is gonna have to claim the day again. Do you, do you have to go that way? <laughs> Um, I don't, but the Steelers have been one of my teams this year. So. All right, all right. All right, I like it. I'll go ahead and I'll... I'm going to have to contest something Steelers else. Steelers fit there. my teams to root for mold. <laughs> You're right, they do. Uh, so I'll go ahead and... I'll take Atlanta to cover. You're talking about Buffalo. No, no, I'll take I'll take Atlanta to cover uh, against San Francisco because I'm not going to pick against the Steelers. That's uh, an interesting play. Yeah, you could see that. Maybe I, Matt Ryan against his old offensive coordinator wanting a show. I could see that. It's a big line too. Eleven. Eleven points, and also San Francisco's just coming off such a yeah two uh, East Coast games. A hot game. Yeah. You know, so letdown spot maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And also, I just have to pick something because numerically we're up against it. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, the six and seven to finish off. To finish off the week fifteen picks, Indianapolis, the Colts at six and seven, heading into New Orleans. The ten and three Saints are favored by nine. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. It just seems to me like the Colts are losing, uh, lost steam on the season, running out of gas. T.Y. Hilton's out. Um, you know, Mac's been injured. He's back, and it just seems like the injuries have have done a lot to them. I know they're mathematically still alive, but I feel like the gas has kind of run out, and they're running on E right now. Lost the mojo. They've lost the mojo, and the Saints need a bounce back game, so. Uh, this falls in line with my take the favorites this week, so I'm going to go Saints minus nine, land the points, land the pipe. All right, you knew I was going to contest this anyways, so we'll go ahead and say Indianapolis is going to get a fresh breath of life here, and I don't think they will win, uh, but I think they'll keep it uh, reasonably close, at least within a touchdown. So I'll go ahead and take the Colts here. All right, you can find uh, all of our stuff on Facebook. Like, comment, subscribe uh, to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Podbean. Hit Johnny up on Twitter at Green Mountain Grinder. That's Green MT Grinder. And then also you can get at the podcast on Instagram at Green MT Sports. 
So uh, thanks for listening and have a good week.